of the Channel Futures Podcast, Coffee with Craig and James. I'm the Editorial Director of Channel Futures, Craig Galbraith. Joining me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, our senior news editor, Mr. James Anderson. Mr. Anderson. James, how the heck are you? Craig, you know, there's just a real joy to being present, and I, and I feel very present in this moment with you right now, and it's great to be here. How are you? I, I love that attitude. I, I really do. I'm doing well. Our, our loyal Cassies uh, still hanging with us, hopefully. We do appreciate you. We know it's been a while since we uh, have done one of these podcasts. It's been a busy summer. Uh, kind of explains the music out of time, because our, our loyal Cassies might be out of time with us, my friend. Oh, and of course, it's from 2013. And what podcast number is this? Number 113. Thank you. A little yeah. slow on the uptake there, but yeah. uh, there you go. That's how we roll. So uh, tell me, uh, I'm sure our friends in the audience out there are interested. Since it's been a few weeks, uh, what you been up to? What you been doing, my friend? Let me think here. I mean, done a little bit of travel, a little bit of travel for work, a little nice. bit of um, travel. To, I mean, I've been driving around. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, we got a dog. My roommate's got a dog. Um, that's been nice. So some little things here and there. What about you, Craig? Oh, that's very nice. The Dungeons and Dragons, we could probably do an entire podcast on that, except you'd have to do all the talking because I, I don't really know much about it. Oh, Craig, you're <laughs> such a quick learner, though. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, yeah, so I've uh, been spending some time up in the cooler climate in uh, parts of Arizona where it doesn't get quite as hot as it does in the Phoenix area. Uh, I went up to... An even cooler climate here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of my excuses for not uh, knocking out one of these podcasts recently, visiting my parents up in the state of Washington. Nice. Uh, the nice. weather was, yeah, the weather was perfect up there. It was good to see them. So, uh, you, of course, as you mentioned, have been sort of doing the work travel, which has been nice because uh, our listeners are going to find out that you pretty much dominate this podcast uh, going forward. Uh, they, they'll see what I mean. I, I appreciate that shout out, Craig. It's been, you know, we've had some nice opportunities for some content. Got that invite to Cisco Live. Oh, this yeah. would have been, I don't know, a month and a half ago. So got a little evergreen interview that uh, I don't think will be outdated at this point. We kind of talked about some trends and that was a good conversation. And then we had another TSD acquisition we had Tolaris buying TCG, and I, I wrote about that, but also interviewed uh, Tolaris CEO Adam Edwards. So those are a couple interesting conversations that I, I, I personally really enjoyed. 
Yeah, it's been a busy month or six weeks or so for news. And uh, by you doing the interviews, uh, we're, we're in good shape here. They were in good hands with you. I ran wild, I got to tell you, but uh, <laughs> I sort of did an okay job of doing what you said. I kind of, you started this this special question you like to ask at the end, like asking someone a nonsense question. And I was oh, yeah. like having this very serious conversation with Adam Edwards about like consolidation in the space. And at the end, <laughs> I'm just like flipping through this website to like, what's the stupidest question I can ask this man <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. What do we call it? Ridiculous thoughts with Craig and James. So uh, I'm excited yeah. to debut that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes. So those huge names packed in the podcast, uh, good stuff, because uh, hopefully that'll make up for the fact that it's been a few weeks since we've done this. Okay, so James, we've got to talk about the recently concluded Channel Partners Europe for just a second before we get into that juicy Tolaris interview. Uh, our colleagues who attended came back after seeing the sites in London. Oh, oh, and attending the event, of course. And they reported it a rousing success. This really was kind of a, a launch event for us, James, having had the first one live in 2019. But that was right before COVID hit. So after this one, we've got a lot of momentum to build on going forward. Be sure to stay tuned for 2023 dates for Channel Partners Europe. Featured a lot of great content, great networking opportunities that, you know, uh, are part and parcel to a Channel Partners show. Now, Craig, I'm just thinking about this European show, you know, talking about all this Europe stuff, but will this podcast be on the internet over there in Europe? Like, can they, those people in the UK and in the Netherlands, like, uh, are they going to be able to hear about how their show went? Uh, James? Yeah. Uh, this podcast, is, <laughs> it's on the internet. Uh, that means you can listen to it anywhere with the exception of those few countries that don't let their citizens access anything but state-controlled media. We even say it at the end of the podcast every time, listen anywhere you get your podcast. Oh, you meant that literally. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, it's nice to see how technology's evolved. Yeah. Well, yeah. so if you're a European-based partner or vendor or anyone in our audience and you want to uh, benefit from that show, we do have some really good interviews that we recorded for Channel Futures TV at the show that you'll want to check out. Uh, Craig, might you be putting that link to CFTV on the landing page of this podcast? Yes, sirree, James, it'll be there. Okay, speaking of events, we'll start to touch on our must-attend MSP Summit and co-located Channel Partners Leadership Summit coming up in September in Orlando in what we affectionately call the B block of this podcast. That, James, is... I know, Craig. It's it's the section after the first interview. It's like a news thing. It's like it's like one of your things that you like throwing out that you know about. Flipping millennials. What's that, Craig? Now, why don't you just uh, set up our first guest, James? Uh, can't wait to get some of the inside baseball on this huge Tolaris acquisition. See what I did there with the uh, All-Star game being this week? Nice. Well played, Craig. Yeah, yeah. And even better, you did this when I was on vacation, so I just got to kick back while you were doing all the work. Yeah, this was a fun call. Um, we missed you, Craig. You, you always add those juicy gotcha questions that I, I'm too scared <laughs> to ask. But Adam Edwards, uh, the CEO of Tolaris, he and I had a nice conversation, not just about purchasing TCG, but 
Adam's basically forecast for the indirect technology sales channel in the next two, three years, and basically talking about the kind of the arms race that's going on between the different uh, TSDs, or you want to call them TSBs, and basically how Tolaris thinks partners are going to operate in the future. So I thought it was pretty fun. Love it. Let's get right to it. Sure. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to welcome to the podcast today, Adam Edwards, the CEO of Tolaris. Adam, how are you today? Doing great, James. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a real pleasure to have you here. Um, I'd love to just kind of dive right into the big news that uh, broke a few weeks ago. Tolaris buying a Florida-based um, fellow TSB, uh, TCG, sorry, that kind of rhymed there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that acquisition and what went into that? Oh, you bet. You know, it, it's interesting. You hear the news break and you don't really hear the background of what really went on and, and the reasons behind it. And of course, there are press releases and things like that where we try to get that information out. But it was a long time in the works. You know, what you've got is as you look at each of the TSBs, these are typically founded by people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, they're fighters. They're passionate. They're loyal to their people. And what I found in Dan Parigi was exactly that. I approached him a uh, long time ago about what we could be together and the opportunity. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's what appealed to him is, is it a win for his people? You know, he's he very loyal to his people, his partners, uh, his employees is a win for them. And I think it took a while for us to get there and, until he was able to see that. I think what they were looking for is, hey, we need tools. We need engineers. We need resources for our partners. And we're just not able to build them fast enough, uh, which is the case. I mean, things are moving really quickly right now, uh, faster than they've ever moved before. And it's really hard to build uh, a lot of those resources. And so that, that I think, was the motivation on their side. On our side, it was, hey, this, this is an opportunity for us to have more great people in the field, more people supporting partners and East Coast presence. So a uh, big win for us. I think I, I, I mentioned every time we talk, James, I talk about scale, but this was a move toward, you know, further towards scale because with scale, we provide more value to partners. And at the end of the day, that, that's what wins. And so that's that was the motivation for us. That makes a lot of sense. Um, do you want to kind of peer into your crystal ball here? And, and as you're talking about scale, and, and I believe you, you've said that Tolaris uh, is now officially the the, uh, the largest TSB by, by volume, if that's if that's correct, if I'm correctly citing that. In terms of book, the amount the amount we book each month with um, TCG now, I, I believe is bigger than any uh, TSB out there. In fact, I think we were there before the acquisition. What that means is we view that as fuel. Uh, you know, when partners place business with us, we view that as a vote that we provided them some sort of value. Now, partners perceive value differently. You know, is it? Do you get top commissions here and I'm going to get a better rate? Is it I get to go to President's Club or is it your engineer helped me? I used your tool to close this. I'm in the habit of doing this because the process runs so smoothly. Um, all of those things you know, are a vote. Uh, and when we get those votes or those new sales that are booked, we're able to reinvest those additional dollars into growing more. And so that flywheel goes faster and faster in terms of how quickly we're, we're able to grow which is why scale matters. And so I, the, the future I view is that it's, you know, fully scaled TSBs are the ones that are going to be able to provide that value that partners are asking for. And partners are asking for more than they've ever asked for in terms of support, resources, uh, rewards. 
that uh, they're able to capture. I mean, they want value. Which of us doesn't? You know, who of us is a consumer of any service doesn't want more for our dollar? And the ones that will be able to offer that, you know, you, you can't hide. This is like you're kind of like uh, Kmart and Sears could not hide from the fact that Walmart had simply grown at greater scale, invested in better technology, uh, had had better uh, distribution networks, and Sears and Kmart couldn't fake it. And that's what we're coming up on here is you just can't fake it. Partners know value. You're not going to be able to price to where partners want to if you're not at a scale that, that that gets you there. And so that's where I think we're coming to the kind of this culmination now over the next, uh, I'd say, you know, nine months to a year uh, as this this whole thing unfolds of, you know, who's who's got the value and where are partners placing their votes. Uh, I wonder if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about the the resources aspect that is tools, and I know Tolaris has uh, recently launched a new suite, starting with um, a sort of a pre-sales assessment of uh, a customer cybersecurity posture. I guess how did that fit into the the vision of how Tolaris is trying to differentiate itself? You know, I think tools come in a lot of different forms, and ultimately, whether it's a tool or a service or a resource, it is can we help the partner be more effective in growing their business? A lot of that comes in sales enablement. So if you look at our past tools, a lot of that was around, can we go to quote faster? Can we um, show you which uh, suppliers integrate uh, better? Can we help you with down select faster? Which is one of the you know, major advantages of a TSB is not just the contracts we hold with suppliers, but can you help me select who's going to be the best fit? Uh, and, and that's going to be an increasing part of, uh, you know, the tools that you see is not it's, of course, not just a quote, but it's a advisement on this is where we see the best fit for their technology, their APIs, their implementation ability, their performance track record, uh, which we have unique access to because of the data we have. Uh, but solution view is a step in that direction of it's not just help the partner look good in front of their customer, which I think is critical. It is also give them guardrails to a conversation and then give an output, an output where we can go back into our data and say, you know what, if you answer the questions this way, we think this is where a conversation should start. And so it's that recommendation. And we, of course, started with security because we're making a big push for security right now. We don't think any product should be sold without a security conversation. Uh, and while other iterations of this tool are coming out very quickly, you'll see them come uh, at later points during the year. Security, we wanted to plan our flag first with because it's the most complex in terms of these conversations uh, and where we felt like partners were having the most re requests for assistance. And that, that assistance doesn't always come in the form of an engineer or an architect on the call with you. A lot of it can be accessed on your own. And that, that's what that tool is about. That's great, Adam. Thanks for uh, those details. Um, you had mentioned scale before, and uh, I think we had talked before we started recording just the what I'm I guess what I'm hearing from the agents uh, is often it often sounds different from what I'm hearing from the TSBs and TSDs, where the partners are always at least publicly telling me that they're looking to diversify, making sure they had different revenue streams, whereas it, it seems that the TSBs, I mean, naturally, logically want want all of that business. How do you see that playing out? Do you agree with that assessment? Well, whether I agree or disagree, I think partners are going to do what they feel is in their best interest. And so we do hear chatter about diversification. Uh, you know, what's, what's ironic to me is that um, TSBs really came about as an insurance proposition. It was partners got cut off on their commissions from a supplier 
and want to protection from that. And so a TSB ultimately was an insurance product to start with of, hey, we will help aggregate volume so you don't get cut off. What's funny now is, you know, now th that problem has been solved. These TSBs have large enough scale that that's not a problem. Now the concern is, well, is the TSB going to cut me off? In fact, I had a question a couple of weeks ago uh, of, hey, you know, now that there are uh, only a few, am I in trouble if one of these gets purchased by a private equity or something else and they cut off, they just take everyone's commission, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, because if you think about buying a bank and taking everyone's deposits, not only is it illegal, it is a very poor way to get your investment back because you're looking for a business to grow and not to shrink to get your investment back. So no, I don't think like things like that are going to happen. I don't think any reputable TSB or, or fully scaled TSB is going to, to have a play like that. I think partners are safe. I would love to tell the partners of our competitors they're not safe, but that's simply untrue. I just don't believe. I mean, look, uh, you know, IntelliSys, ScanSource is a public company. They've never made a move to cut off a partner. Uh, Avant hasn't made a move to cut off a partner, nor is Tolaris, and I don't see that happening. So, uh, but I do get, you know, partners um, oftentimes are very concerned for good reason. They have been hurt before. They've been cut off. You know, direct gets tagged to the deal and they do not and they get pushed out or it gets renewed somewhere else. They're constantly having to fight for what's rightfully theirs. That's one of the reasons for our existence is to help them in that fight. Uh, but I think as a result of that, they're always looking for the downside. And so I think there are concerns about diversification. I'd say one of the downsides to a partner diversifying is you don't show up as well on the radar. I had a partner um, a, a week ago that I chatted with and said, hey, this is, partner's a big deal. They weren't a big deal to us because when I look at the numbers, there just wasn't much there. But because it was a diversity play, they're not getting the goodness of a, an increased level of support, uh, priority uh, in accessing uh, engineering and, and, and architects, a seat at an advisory council. You know, some of these things that people who dig in deep with us, we want to lock arms with. And when you diversify, you just don't get those things. So I think you've got to really consider, you know, what you're trying to get out of diversification versus if you really uh, dig in and invest, what goodness can come as a result of having significant volumes? And I think there are considerable tangible values to being high on the radar with a single TSB. Yeah, it's sort of on that note of locking arms with your TSB. Uh, you, we had talked in our a previous interview that you see part of the future that that more partners are, are not only going to align more and more with their TSB partner, but some of them are going to sort of fly the flag of that TSB brand. Could you unpack that a little bit? I think this is, a, this is a really relevant conversation right now that a lot of people are chatting about. And, you know, we're seeing different iterations of that. You know, people are looking, hey, there's an Upstack logo. I can use that brand or a Bridgepoint logo. I can use that brand. Uh, and that helps me in front of my uh, customer look bigger uh, and and be able to sell to larger enterprises. I want that brand. And we're seeing ourselves being pulled into some of these conversations uh, where, you know, partners are uh, asking our engineers to come alongside because LinkedIn, you know, shows everybody's information. They know these are Tolaris employees. And so that question has to be answered up front. And some of our partners have gotten very, uh, you know, savvy at explaining, hey, I have this powerhouse behind me. I have a significant amount of resources I can call upon at any time. I have, I have access to data, research, personnel, uh, and I can help you in any manner you need. And it is as a result of this. And they point to the logo. I, I think the next step is, as partners request, like how else can we help them? Is it a powered by? 
Is it, you know, them, you know, uh, adopting a, a, a new brand that multiple partners wear? I don't know all the all the uh, answers right now, but I do know that question is prevalent right now. Uh, and it's a big part of the conversation that I think partners are having that we're trying to have, which always goes back to how can we best enable these partners? How can we enable these partners to look good in front of their customer, uh, to be successful in selling and successfully grow their business? And if a part of that is, you know, helping them align with a brand, then that's a conversation we're going to have. Is there anything that you'd want to say directly to, um, you know, Intellisys partners or maybe sort of perspective to Laris partners? Um, maybe that's advice or an invitation. I would tell any partner out there, take advantage of what TSBs are building. I mean, it's an arms race right now where everyone's trying to hire talent, at least the scaled uh, TSBs are trying to hire talent, provide resources and, and tools. Uh, we're innovating. I mean, things like our, our you know loyalty program that is unmatched out there in terms of returning value to partners, project management, you know, account management, just so many things you can plug and play into your business. Uh, I would say if if your idea is I'm just going to go alone, go it alone and use my TSB as a pass through, I'd say you're missing a lot of value. And and look, look, I'm waving the flag for Tolaris, but I would say the same thing about Avant and Intellisys. Like if you're not taking advantage of the value that's being offered to you, then you're really missing out. Uh, the, the amount that, that uh, TSBs charge for the value they're able to give, if you call upon them, if you call upon that value, uh, far outweighs anything you pay. And I think um, some partners miss that in viewing that, hey, I'm an independent business and I just need to roll up my sleeves and figure it out. Uh, I'd say you're missing the boat. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Adam. Now, a, a part of this interview that I did not warn you about because I actually forgot to warn you about because this is Craig's new initiative. He's got this uh, this uh, part of the podcast where he likes to ask our episode guests the stupidest question that he can think of. Um, so we've got our little database of of silly questions. Uh, are you game? I didn't warn yeah, bring you. Bring it. But, uh, yeah, bring it. All right. Ridiculous okay. What would be your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? Oh boy, zombie apocalypse. I think I gotta go with a. Uh, I, I got. I gotta go with a. Uh, Man, I'm, I'm, I'm taxing my zombie knowledge here. Do you go with a uh, a rifle? Do you go with the pickaxe? I don't know. I don't know. I think I like a. But you know the thing about zombies, they don't move very fast. Right. You know that's what that's what nobody nobody sees unless it's uh, World War Z. These are very small, slow moving things. <laughs> so uh, I don't think I've got to move. I don't have to have much much distance. I don't have to move very fast. So uh, I, you know, I, I'm gonna go with a. Uh, I'm gonna go with a rifle. I think that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think I think that's the classic move. I I, I think that works too. Um, that's terrific. Well, uh, thanks for me putting you on the spot there, Adam. And it was really great uh, catching up with you about Tolaris and the TCG acquisition and sort of learning about the vision um, that you have for the channel and and what you see coming down the pipe. So really appreciate it. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me on. Really nicely done, James. It was great to get. Uh, take there on the tcg acquisition and more and you know he was a really good sport from your zombie question that was fantastic yeah you know i i was like just <laughs> flipping through looking for that question at the last last minute and, and uh you know he's uh he was a good sport for sure so <laughs> well craig we did promise a discussion of the upcoming msp summit and the channel 
Partners Leadership Summit. Now that's going to be September 13th through 16th in the home of Mickey Mouse, Orlando. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This show's actually going to be at Disney World? I not I don't mean that literally, but at an oh. equally fun locale. The Caribe Is that right, Craig? Caribe? Caribe it is. It Royale. Is. Well done with your Spanish. Thank you. Caribe Royale Resort. I hear that is very, very nice. As is the agenda, which we have been building for this show. So I'd love to highlight um, a few sessions and whatnot that are going to be occurring at this leadership summit. Maybe, uh, you know, we dig in on this right now. And next time we talk a little bit about the agenda at the uh, MSP summit. I, I love that. I love that. I also, I don't know if I've told you this before. I love the word whatnot. I'm glad you use that. It's one of my favorite words. It's a beautiful word, Craig. All right, but uh, first, a quick primer on this event. Yes, I am a word nerd. If you've attended our last two CP Expos, uh, you know we've co-located the MSP Summit with those events. Now it's time for it to stand on its own without Big Brother, if you will. However, we wanted to give an extra reason for our friends in the traditional agent community to attend, and that's where this all-new Leadership Summit comes in. Yeah, Craig, the goal of the Leadership Summit is to bring together lots of the, the leading and most innovative direct selling agency owners and uh, technology advisors who are looking to expand their recurring revenue opportunities and, and really share, uh, share mindshare, no, uh, exchange mindshare, maybe that's what. <laughs> and You could do either, I suppose. But really talk about their businesses from a really strategic perspective, getting together the brightest minds in the industry from the partner side, talk about the issues that they're facing and not just having you know vendors talk to them about what they need to sell, but really getting the peers together to get that critical mass so that they can share some best practice and really be equipped to thrive in the upcoming years. Peer engagement, absolutely love that. And we have an event within an event, James. I am talking now about the Women's Leadership Summit, which we are coordinating alongside the Alliance of Channel Women. So the entire event kicks off on Tuesday, September 13th with a keynote on the secrets to successful leadership for women. Features uh, two women who we know very well, uh, who've been very successful in the channel, talking now about Cassie Jepson with Lenovo, Jasmina Muller now with Science Logic. Uh, you may know her from her days at Everbridge and, of course, before that at CenturyLink. She just made the move to Science Logic uh, this summer. Also, the Channel Partners Leadership Summit is going to have a session on building successful DEI strategies, how to build your leadership brand, how to build your skill set and techniques for hiring top talent. And that, my friend, is just scratching the surface. Yeah, somebody at Informa should have had that uh, hiring top talent course before you got picked up. Huh. <laughs> nice, Craig, because it's saying that I don't have great talent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I was uh, part of that plan of hiring you, so I really can't really uh, get into that too much. Uh, <laughs> So as we mentioned earlier, we'll get into more MSP Summit detail on the next podcast, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention the Havana Nights welcome party that night, Tuesday. It's going to be a big bash to officially welcome 
everyone to the show. Okay, time to jump into the way back machine and let our loyal casties listen to your interview with Cisco. And the reason we might need the flux capacitor, right, Scott? Because as you mentioned earlier, uh, you got this one at Cisco Live, which was a few weeks ago now. And I've been taking too many vacations and slacking off to actually get this podcast on the air, as they say. Still, I think it will be quite relevant, as you mentioned. Uh, why don't you set it up for us? Yeah, so Cisco Live was a very action-packed event. You had some major product launches, product integrations that Cisco was rolling out on you know, really a high-level perspective. Did I just really say a high-level perspective? I can't believe myself. Um, so <laughs> you yeah. do use Mindshare in this podcast too, I'll remind you. <laughs> There's no saving me. Um, so I got the chance to sit down with Alexandra Zaguri, and she is one of the key leaders in their partner organization, specifically in their managed and as a service group. So doing a lot with their MSPs and doing a lot to open up that revenue stream, both for Cisco and for partners. So we had a really good conversation about basically where Cisco is moving, um, how its customer demands are shifting, and how its partner demands are shifting, and how some of the latest product updates that were announced on a high level um, are going to fit into that. I level again. I like that. All right, let's roll the uh, interview that James did with Cisco. Again, I was missing, but hey, good job, James. Thanks, Craig. All right, everyone. I'm here in Las Vegas and at Cisco Live and very pleased and honored to be joined by Alexandra Zaguri. She is the Vice President of Partner Managed Services and As-A-Service Sales. Alexandra, how are you today? Great, thank you. Thank you so much for attending our show and I hope you're enjoying it and thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, it's it's wonderful to talk to you. Do you, do you mind uh, outlining a little bit about your role at Cisco and, and what some of those efforts you oversee are? Absolutely, so I'm responsible for what we still call a new team because we're only like a year and a half uh, old. And what we do is we help our partners build and sell together with us their managed services. And so we go all the way from offer development with our business units, our engineering organizations, to ensure that our products are managed ready. And then we build the services. So we've got service creation capabilities for our partners of all shapes and sizes. And then we do sales, what we like to call sales acceleration and sales execution. So think sales acceleration, all the enablement, matching them with customers, demand generation, and then sales execution is actually the act of building pipeline with them and, and closing deals, really fulfilling on those customer outcomes. So that's, that's what we do at Cisco. It's a new route to market for Cisco and a really important one because we believe that 45% of what Cisco sells by 2025, which is around 113 billion total addressable market, will be sold as a managed service. Terrific, um, and it's an exciting trend that we've been watching play out in, in 2022. I'd love to get your thoughts on some of these product announcements that Cisco has made, um, not just this week, but last week. So um, last week was the announcement of the Cisco Plus Secure Connect Now offering. Did I say yes, that right? Yeah, you did. Um, so could you break that down for us and, and what the implications of that are for partners? Yeah. 
I think the first thing I would highlight that I've really enjoyed about the first two days at Cisco, you've seen us finally do what I like to call the platform pivot. You're hearing the magical words of platform, cloud, managed, all, and experience, right? All these things are coming together to really deliver, deliver on this new outcome-based uh, selling that, you know, outcomes that our customers are asking us for. And of course, uh, a while back, our, our CEO, Chuck Robbins, did declare that we would be offering all our portfolio as a service, and we launched something called Cis Cisco Plus, which Cisco Plus is really the name for the portfolio of all the offers that we'll start offering as a service. And it started with Hybrid Cloud as a service, our data center solution integrated with storage partners like Flashdack and others. And now this week, we've launched Secure Connect Now, which is our first offer that really takes us on that network as a service promise. Um, so we started with what we call remote worker solution. So our AnyConnect, so think of it as VPN as a service, together with SIG, uh, Secure Internet Gateway, to uh, secure our internet uh, traffic. And then we've added an interconnect to SD-WAN to Meraki with some unified uh, policy management, network access control, so really, really exciting. And think about it, we're really on that journey to then next, think of uh, zero trust network. So getting really to perimeterless security. So uh, not there yet, but it's the evolution of our portfolio to truly offer network as a service. And what you saw this week was the first instance of that. That's terrific. Yeah, it's, that was the, the sentiment I was hearing from partners. A lot of folks really happy to see uh, kind of peripherally related to this, but uh, the catalyst switches being able to be cloud managed through the Meraki portal. People were really excited about that. People excited about the integration of Thousand Eyes with uh, the various SD-WAN mm -hmm. offerings. So yeah, definitely people seem uh, fired up about that. Um, do you mind talking a little bit about what you're doing in terms of platforms for MSPs specifically? Yes. Um, so I think the first great announcement, of, as you've just said, we've taken the best, the simplicity of the Meraki platform, which is the best managed network platform out there in the galaxy. And we've now added the power of our Catalyst uh, portfolio, right? So simplicity and, and power together. But the way to think about Cisco is we will always have different platforms because we have such broad-based technology, right? You've got IoT Control Center for our IoT, and you've got um, secure, the secure X for some of our security products, and you also saw the, the sort of vision to, towards that unified policy, unifying all of our security products under, under one, one, one platform. One of the things we're thinking through right now, and especially with our CX organization and with, and of course with our business units, is how do we bring also an MSP experience to our, our partners and customers? So we're really thinking through how we leverage the PX cloud. Uh, think of it as entitlements, telemetry, as sort of a, a portal into the different domain platforms that Cisco will always have and will continue continue to enhance. So that's a project we're working on, not something we can totally yet say say we have, but it's the, the whole concept of how we leverage the PX cloud, the persona that we have on the, on the CX cloud, the partner persona, and start adding those MSP-like capabilities so that they can manage entitlements across, um, across our different domain platforms. Excellent, excellent. Could we talk uh, customer segmentation for a little bit? So how is customers I don't know, sort of putting 
sort of uh, viewing these these customers in different buckets or the same buckets? How, how is that breaking down? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, we talk a lot about managed services because customers, especially after the pandemic, we've seen them really go towards asking for managed services. Mm-hmm. Um, IT is is becoming complex. It's also changing really fast, and so they're really looking for that partner. That can that can partner with vendors like ourselves and 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 deliver deliver those outcomes, but not all customers are created equally. So, we've we're really looking. Of course, a couple of years ago, we did a big piece of customer segmentation, and we've segmented our customers according to wallet share size. But as the MS team, we're also looking at where that customer is in that journey, and so we're trying to segment our customers really based by how they want to consume and buy technology. There will always be customers that are just transactional with us, and then there will be those customers that really want us to partner with a partner and really help them on that digital transformation uh, journey. And so those are the customers that we're really targeting. The complexity comes that they come in all shapes and sizes, even if they're, you know, there's little customers that want to go on a digital transformation journey. And this is where the power of the partner really comes together because they can take Cisco technologies and package uh, offers and outcomes that can that can help them. You know, and a good example of that is managed SD-WAN, right? You've got the Meraki solution that really fulfills more of those, um, the needs of maybe sometimes the, the more smaller customers. And then now, great, with the Catalyst integration, you've got, you can actually use the best of the managed network cloud that, that Meraki brings and also uh, address managed SD1 through a, a different lens with our uh, bigger size customers. That's terrific. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, the thing that everyone is sort of joking about this week, and that's the, the supply chain challenges. And uh, I'd love to know sort of what uh, what Cisco has been doing around that to, to help specifically the MSPs navigate that issue and, and maybe advice you have for yeah. partners as they're going through that. Sure. First of all, I'd like to thank our customers, you know, for their patience during these times. We couldn't predict. Like, as we, one of the themes of this conference is also the world is becoming predictably unpredictable, right? So we didn't really predict we'd be in this situation. And our partners have helped us immensely with our customers uh, go through this. But that's also a reason why everybody's tur- uh, turning to managed services. And we have worked with some partners on you know, some bulk uh, order buying and, and things like that, that would help in the future mitigate some of some of these situations. But it's a fine balance of, you know, um, do you do that or, and, and then, you know, you could be in a situation where if the growth is not there, you're left with, you know, some technical uh, technical debt. Um, and so we, we're, we're working through them. We have quite quite a few programs that help them through this. But this is exactly why the value proposition of a managed service is really, really compelling. You know, all these problems and complexities really stay with the partner and and Cisco to solve it for for that customer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, is there anything uh, anything else you'd like us to sort of take away from Cisco Live and and some of the other initiatives Cisco's been on lately? Well, I. Like, like I said, the magic words of platform, cloud, managed, and experience. We're moving into a world where we're we're going to have to, together with partners, deliver on specific experiences that are cloud managed, and we have to work on, you know, what is that standard platform uh, to deliver these experiences. 
And so I think that's the big, big takeaway is that we are moving there. And it wasn't a question of if, is Cisco actually ever going to do this? It was a question of when. The other really important thing is that we're making this move with partners. Um, hopefully you've been able to w walk the world of solutions and see how many partners we have. In fact, we just got the numbers and we've had an increase of 50% more partner participation in the Cisco Live than the last time around. And that really shows you that we are entering the age of the partner where to deliver on these outcomes, it's not gonna be about the vendor and the partner going and selling something to the customer. The vendor, the partner, and the customer are together in this continuous loop of constantly delivering on the innovation, having the agility to go where the technology is going. The other third thing is, as we're entering this, this age, the partner is really going to be the big orchestrator. And they're going to be in the driving seat and really deciding on how to solve those customer outcomes. And we are here at Cisco to support them and our customers in that journey. Right on. Well, this has been a pleasure, Alexander. Thanks so much for uh, sharing these insights. Thank you so much. Thanks for thanks for coming. And it, I hear it was your first Cisco Live. So uh, this sets the benchmark. And then next, next year, I'd, I'd love to see you again. And you can tell us how we did. Let's do it. Yeah, I want to <laughs> I want to double my steps from this year. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, so Cisco has been making some strides and whenever I talk to them, about what they want to do with partners. Uh, the emphasis I hear is expanding the choices that the partners and customers have. And so with, with the partners, that's the ability to not just resell offerings, but to do it in an agent model. They're expanding that with WebEx. And, and also, of course, they are looking to open up new revenue opportunities for their MSPs. So that's been a very interesting conversation to watch this year. Very, very intriguing company. Yeah, absolutely. Great to see them working with the entire channel. Uh, something we didn't uh, in a short time ago really associate them with. And, and we're seeing that with a lot of uh, traditional IT companies as well. So uh, good stuff, getting the whole channel involved. And uh, you got involved there yourself. Thanks, Craig. You know, thanks for sending me. All right. If you'd like to check out the archive of the Coffee with Craig and James podcast, just go anywhere you get your podcasts. Of course, James, we love it if they would check us out on the channelfutures.com. You know, James, it's amazing. This song out here, Royals, is now nine years old, 2013. Of course, matching up with our 113th podcast. And I got to tell you, this isn't really a good fit because uh, we're we're not a couple of royals, that's for sure. But hey, the song's about never being royals. So this is us to a T, my friend. Diving deep into the meaning of the song when I was just going by the title. So there you go. It wasn't rock enough for me, I guess, to uh, really understand and take a deep dive into the into music so thank That's, you for that. you know me craig doing my deep dives by listening to the words in the chorus <laughs> sorry craig i'm so shallow look at you thanks for joining us again everybody we'll hope to catch you again next time thanks everyone have a great week and we'll never be royal, royal. it's a one in our blood that kind of luck's just ain't for us we crave a different kind of buzz.